Be warned. A man with long lashes who collects china mm -hmm. and knows about upholstery. Preach, sister. Run. <laughs> run, run like the devil. Welcome to the Books and Bamos podcast. I'm Juliette. And I'm Paulette. So today we're doing The Portrait of a Lady by Henry James. It was a long time coming. Mm -hmm. uh, I already read it once and I was uh, really waiting for the second read and I forgot everything. It's like the first time. You read it when you were a teenager, I guess. Yeah, kind of. Well, it doesn't count. Because, you know, brain and stuff. Brain and stuff. So much to say, so much to say. Where to start? Yeah. We've been uh -huh. having a long list of bad male characters, horrible and people. last time I was like, please, please, Lord, give us a good man. One good man. Nope. I took a southern accent for some reason. Like, give me a good man. A I don't man, <laughs> sister. <laughs> for once. Nope. Nope. I'm going to give you the worst little shit. Not the worst we, we've oh. read. I think the worst in literature. I think so, you know what? <laughs> He might be the worst in in universal literature. Oh, in real life too, maybe. Yeah, should we do like a, a plot overview? Let's say, you yeah. just say what happens. Because it's kind of, uh, the plot is not that complicated. But no. somehow the story is complicated. Complicated to get into. First part was for me a bit... Yeah, a bit... Difficult. I think it's the style. The style of writing. Yeah, it's not something us modern folk are used to anymore i think even though we read uh, classic literature all the time but this one is particular i don't think it has to do with the fact that it's a classic book because when we've read edith wharton i uh, i enjoy i thoroughly enjoyed it and mm. she's a contemporary of henry james mm. and doesn't mean that it's the same style i think his style is um i think overly complicated um there are passages where he talks about uh, the inner life let's say of his heroine her thoughts mm. And it's sometimes complicated for no reason because the idea behind it is quite simple. I mean, yeah. you could say it with any writer. You could, you, <laughs> he could have said it another way, but it's his way. So you yeah, take it or you, you leave it. Yeah, you take it or you leave it. Yeah. Also, another thing is the dialogue. I yeah. couldn't stand that dialogue. This is what what made the last part of the book more enjoyable because there wasn't that much conversation. Imagine living in a society like that where it's a requirement. Oh, I would just be Henrietta Stackpole. I would ruin the, the ruin ruin every social gathering. <laughs> just a rude, vulgar American. Exactly. I would be... What do I call her? Yeah, that woman's tackle. <laughs> so, um, the book opens with the arrival of uh, Isabel in uh, their life in England. And her aunt brings her from America to England. And she's introduced to her cousin Ralph and his father, Mr. Touchett. Uh, they love her instantly. And there's uh, Lord Warburton also there present. And of course, he falls in love with her, as expected. As Mr. Yeah. Touchett, just before even seeing her, tells him, don't fall in love with my niece. And he falls in love <laughs> with his niece. Okay. Then there is this growing relation between uh, Ralph and even the father. They love her. And they're both sickly. Dying. Mr. Touchett mm. is. Ralph is. and But he stays like that a long time. Yeah, he the whole book. he's dying the whole book. Yeah. When he finally dies, Mr. Touchett is convinced by uh, Ralph, his son, to give half his fortune. Instead of the whole thing going to Ralph, the half is going to go to Isabel. So she becomes a rich woman. And then she goes to Italy with her aunt, Mrs. Touchett, uh, who lives in Florence. But before that, in England, she had met Mrs. Touchett's friend, Madame Merle. And in Florence, Madame Merle introduces her to her friend, her longtime friend, uh, Gilbert Osmond, and his daughter, Pansy. There is a courtship, but it's kind of skipped over. We don't mm. know what happens. There is no, like, engagement period. We don't know. There is a bit of... They have some walks together, but we don't have the detail of the courtship, what mm. happens. And two years later, we just skip over time and we get her married and she's already had a child and lost it. And it is a horrible marriage, a dreadful situation. Then we have her life in Rome. So she moves, they move, because now she, he's rich, Gilbert. <laughs> so he can live uh, however he wants. So they go to Rome and they live in this uh, palazzo in Rome. And Lord Warburton comes over and Gilbert gets it in his uh, head to marry Pansy to Lord Warburton. And this is a horrible, really, um, yeah, demeaning situation for Isabel. She tries to she tries to do what she can to be a loyal wife and whatever, but it's impossible with him. 
And then she discovers the betrayal, and actually that uh, Madame Merle and, uh, and her husband had a relationship, they're lovers, they have been for years, and Pansy is Madame Merle's daughter, and she's been deceived from the start, Isabel. And then Ralph calls her, he's dying, she goes to uh, to England, um, in spite of uh, Gilbert not be, not agreeing with her going, actually he forbade her to go. That scene, <laughs> yeah. my lord. That scene, there's many that scenes. <laughs> uh, so she goes, of course, to England, and then Ralph dies... I didn't talk at all, I forgot about that. Yeah, but Casper Goodwood. Casper Goodwood. The American. <laughs> the American, I forgot about him. But he's always, he's pushy, he's pursuing her in America, in Florence, in Rome, whatever. Okay. Wh whatever yeah. she is. He's there. Here pops Casper. <laughs> Even after Ralph dying, and she's still married, but he offers her to kind of run away with him to America. Yeah. As if, you know, telling her that she doesn't owe anything to that monster, Gilbert. But she goes back to, uh, to Rome. And there is the end of the book. So this yeah. is the, the story, Last I think. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's have just uh, an impression. What did you think of the whole book? So we said, I, I, we agreed on that. We didn't enjoy the conversations. No, we did not What didn't things. you like? I think overcomplication. That's what annoyed me. And sometimes I honestly didn't understand some stuff and I had to really concentrate with it. It wasn't something that engaged me easily. Yeah, me too. It was the same. And I dislike when a book doesn't grab me and doesn't let me go like the um, House of Mirth did. It's not a book that you can read being distracted by something. You really have to be into it into it and concentrate. Mm. And that's not what bothered me. What bothered me is when sometimes you feel that he is inferring meaning where I find none. Let's say they have conversations and they're talking about Isabel being so smart, so intelligent, so clever, yeah. so above everyone else. I have no proof of it. The uh, absolute mystery. I dislike mystery. mysteries. Yeah. So that's the thing. When I have a conversation with her in it, I expect her to say some things that would justify be her being thought so above everyone so else. incredible. Everybody falling in love with her. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they talk about her ideas. She has ideas. She has no, notions. Mm. Uh, she has... Yeah, as if she's an original somehow. And I guess she is for the time. But as for ideas, I finished the book and I still don't know what they are. You know what? I think I, I sort of have the solution to that. Because for large, the larger part of the book, I was really confused about the appeal of Isabel. What, what is this they're talking about? Everybody's harping about something that I can't see. I really dislike that, this hidden thing, as if it can't be shown or something. Yeah. I don't understand why. But then you understand that her actual superiority is her moral. Her morals. I, I completely agree. Yeah. This is exact. It's not her idea. And I think, yeah, yeah, when they talk about idea, her, her ideas, I think she's just such an honest, moral, young, enthusiastic person. And she has that freshness we, she, we see in young people that you kind of lose with life going on. You become not necessarily more jaded, but really experiences take off this, this really layer of, uh, of optimism through life. As if you can't wait to see how marvelous it's going to be. You can't wait to discover what's it, what it's about. And Isabel embodies that. And I think we are automatically attracted by this kind of people. I get it. No, I got the appeal. It's the intellectual appeal that I didn't get. The That's, moral one, yeah. I completely get it. And at the end of the book, you are absolutely sure of it. Absolutely. You know that she, is, she has a superiority that way. Mm. But it's the incessant talk about her ideas. And they say ideas. And um, Ralph says, you know, he can't wait to see what, she's, what she does with her life. And everyone says that. The way she sees herself also. She, she doesn't so much think fun. she's shit. No, no not at all. <laughs> she loves it. You know, it was such a... Our last book was Rebecca, and it yeah. was such... The first pages, because I was just out of Rebecca. It broke my heart, because I remember the mousy Mrs. De Winter and how she felt about herself. Yeah. And I thought, it's such... You know, uh, that's how you see how self-confidence is a good thing, because Isabel was sometimes borderline narcissistic. But yeah. it's better. <laughs> So uh, definitely better, I think. Better than well, thinking you narcissism. <laughs> no, no, not narcissism, but uh, no, she was confident, and but confidence. I think she that young a lot of you young people have. I think you know in your early twenties, sort of, you think a lot of your own ideas. Definitely, not necessarily of yourself, but your own ideas matter, and you think they're important and great. No, they're not. You just <laughs> shit. Come on, <laughs> and they get disproved so fast, and that's when the jaded look comes around. 
So I, I think this is one of the things that have been her downfall. Uh, she's very stubborn. And she thinks so much of her own idea, of her own originality, that it leads her, it led her to make the horrible decision of marrying asshole Osborne. Yeah. You can see when you meet more young girls, more ladies, that she is infinitely superior, even if we don't see it. The books she read, that she reads, and the interests she has, and the imagination. They... No, we, ha- we don't have any proof of that. We do. The first time you meet her... She's reading a book, and then we don't know if she was really reading German philosophy or if she was just, you know, what <laughs> we do, we all do it. Like you take Heidegger and you do it like you you you're understanding <laughs> what the fuck he's talking about. You don't know. No, <laughs> nobody knows. And Mitch, Mrs. Touchett uh, comes into the room and she puts down the book, and then we see her sometimes, you know, in Italy. Uh, yeah, reading a book, but kind of distractedly because she was in a horrible situation. But has nothing to do the fact that. She has many opportunities of expressing ideas. Early on, conversations with Lord Warburton and Ralph, especially Ralph, Ralph mm. is, uh, is really kind of, he has a, this a theoretical, theoretical mind where he yeah. really wants to play with ideas. So there is occasion, it's not like there isn't. Henrietta, Henrietta is really, you know, how do you, how do you say that? Like pragmatic, but really not above... The ground? Not above the ground woman, yeah. Like she's she's j- there, it's just very super practical to... You want to say lowly? I want to say lowly, exactly. <laughs> that woman? There is only one instance when I agreed, heaven forbid, I agreed with Gilbert Osmond when he calls Henrietta vulgar. She is. I'm sorry, uh, she is. Well, there is one w- occasion where I really agreed with Henrietta when she hated Gilbert Osmond from the get-go. But everybody does. No. Everybody uh, does. Yeah, it's true. Who was under his charm? Madame Merrill. That's all? That's all. Really? And even her, I think, even her, he must have done to her what he was trying to do to Isabel. That's all. He he got her under his thumb. That's all what was happening. And She's it was the only clear one. she was under his influence completely. Yeah. What? Who loves him? Pansy, because he made her. No, Pansy is a complete victim. Oh, you know what? This is why I like the end. Uh, at first, I didn't really get it, but then I remembered. Uh, should, we shouldn't get to that now, sorry. Yeah, but thanks you. Oh. Uh, I want to go back to... I want to go back to the uh, what we were talking about, the conversations, and why they were annoying. It's mm. not just because they were talking about Isabel and her ideas, and then we have no proof of them. It's not just that. It's everyone else. As you said, um, not getting to the point. Yeah. Saying things, and at the end of a long conversation, my only question was, what the hell do you mean? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. I don't know. Am I stupid? I don't know. What the hell do you mean? And I think, in the end, maybe Henry James's purpose was to give us the impression that they Where didn't did? know themselves. Maybe. There's a lot of, um, a lot of sophistry, a lot of uh, meaningless words just being thrown around. Mm. Uh, you have conversations, let's say, between uh, Ralph and Henrietta. I didn't get one yeah. meaningful idea from a whole long conversation. And it seems to be... Um, it's not because we've read other books where it's so coded and the society is so restricted that you're not free to say what you mean. It's not that you don't want to or you don't know how. You know you can't. But it's you forbidden. understand the idea behind it. You just know that it's not expressed because you can't. The codes don't allow it. Mm-hmm. Here, they're very free. Ralph doesn't know Henrietta at all. But from, like, let's say, second meeting... They have very, really honest, frank conversations where she allows herself to criticize him openly, his lifestyle, his person. Yeah. He's being. She's just Henrietta. <laughs> just Henrietta. Meets Lord Warburton. Warburton. First meeting. First lunch. I disapprove of you. What the hell? <laughs> Who are you, my mother? Disapprove of me? No, she was very annoying like that. Very. I think she was made to represent the comical view of Americans at the time. Maybe. The but modern my- crass. My point was not uh, to talk about Henrietta, we'll get to her. My point was, they're not saying what they mean, because they can't, because it's forbidden by the codes. Because fuck the codes. Henrietta is apparently just open to talk about anything to anyone. I mean, and between Isabel and her cousin, it's very free. So it's not a question of propriety or what you could say. Between Mrs. Touchett and Isabel, very free. So you think it was actually empty from the get-go, made to represent (sighs) emptiness? 
I don't think emptiness. I think sometimes, as it happens in life, people say empty words. They give you an impression of profoundity, but a superficial profoundity. Like, let's say, uh, when Madame Merle is introduced. I think Mrs. Touchett, and she doesn't mince words, Mrs. Touchett. No. Yeah. She tells Isabel like she's worldly and th something, and she says something like uh, she knows everything. And this same phrase, she knows everything, I think was said about some someone else. It's kind of exaggerated. Oh. As Isabel, she's described, her intelligence, mm. it is too... it's too much. Alright, I see what you mean. It's too much that way, you expect too much. If they had just described Madame Merle as a worldly woman, an intelligent woman, mm. above average, yes, for sure. Yes, this is true. They, they but she say, knows everything. And they say she's the most, uh, she's the most elegant woman in the world. Or in Europe? More, yeah, something really? like that. What the hell? That's too much. And in the end, you feel like the words don't mean anything. For them, because why would you say she knows everything? Because if I were in the room, I would say, what the hell is everything? What is everything? Just define it. Do you think it was really just conversations for the th sake of talking? The impression, I mean, it's just the impression I got, is uh, people looking for meaning while they were talking, as if you're searching for... You don't know it um, beforehand. There's just... no prepared ideas no. or meaning. No, it's not formed. I mean, not to say that all the conversation were that. Uh, we had no, very good not. conversations. Yeah. And that's why when you, when you get those with real meaning, you really distinguish them right away. Mm. We have a few. When Ralph is implicated, it's rare that it has any meaning. Sometimes just... It seems like reverie. Like someone just... Um... But I think... Don't you think it's just a characteristic of Ralph? How he's portrayed as a man always on the brink of death. And he's always had this way of thinking. Because he has a foot here and a foot there. I think, yeah, you're right when it comes to Ralph, because he doesn't things, take things seriously. He must mm. have a sense of humor about things, so he tries to mock everything. And yeah, it has something to do with his personal situation. But it's not just that. When you get um, Isabel and Lord Warburton... It didn't give the impression of a coded conversation, nope. as we've seen before. No. It gave... I don't know. It was tedious, honestly. Uh, absolutely tedious. Mm. Um... The voice in my head was just screaming, get to it. I don't know <laughs> what you mean, get to it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't it made know. me feel like an idiot so much because I had, I, I'm, I'm reading a sentence and then I'll go back and read it word by word in case I miss something. And then I didn't mean it, miss anything. So let's go back from the start. Um, her arrival. There is such expectation. They have a telegram from Mrs. Touchett. And uh, Ralph and uh, Lord Warburton and Mr. Touchett are talking about this mysterious niece. And Mr. Touchett, for some reason, warns Lord Warburton not to marry her, not to fall in love with her. No. It's weird. It's <laughs> kind of weirdness. No, I think they were... It looked like they were really deprived of society over there. Which is very strange because they're all rich and powerful. But they're outcasts. I think Mr. Touchett is because of his wife. That's why he can't. He mm. could never be social because she doesn't live with him, so he can't really. And yes, we saw that many times. It's, um, it's even a rich man makes, without so. a wife. He has uh, he has social problems. He mm. can't he can't have an establishment. And Mrs. Touchett has her, her her own establishment. She doesn't care about him. She doesn't care about anyone. No. And I think yeah, they are outcasts. They're American. Americans live in kind of in a bubble. And even when we go to Italy, uh, all the characters. Are outcasts. There is no community, there is no um, living in the community. Isabel would have her Thursdays, I think, mm. in Rome. But it's not belonging to the no. community. Uh, Gilbert Osmond was living in Florence probably for years. Yeah, but still. Alone. Oh. So I think that's, uh, that's Henry James. Yeah, maybe the kind of characters he was interested in. Not people belonging to a community, but kind of... Uh, I don't know, wanderers. Even Henrietta Stackpole, she was just wandering the whole book. Casper Goodwood, he would just pop yeah. in in Europe, like he had nothing to do in the States. What is he doing? Doesn't he have a mill in Boston or something? Yeah, it was as if he wasn't in the industry and he was doing well, which must take a lot of work, no, but it I didn't think, look like it. No, I think he's uh, like it's inherited and he's just rich. Uh, oh, I don't think so. Daddy's boy. I don't think he has to dirty his hands. Not the way he was traveling all year. You think he... Which is really strange. Then why is he put as if in contrast to Lord Warburton? Because at least he has a job. He has a title of being a mill owner. 
Well, then so, the other is a landowner. Yeah, of and course. I think one takes as much leisure. Again, with the vagueness, when they confront, let's say, uh, Lord Warburton for being a nobleman, Henrietta Stackpole just... First thing she says to him, I don't like potatoes here, I haven't eaten since I, I've been here, <laughs> and also, I disapprove of you. <laughs> so rude. Yeah. Having lunch with the people that invited you. Oh, actually, you invited yourself, by the way. You're oh. eating their oh. potatoes. Sick Jane again. <laughs> eating their potatoes and disapproving yeah, of them. And saying there you dislike them. No, she was very, very rude, but she kind of grows on you at a moment. Later on when she takes care of Roth, but before that... Yeah. And yeah, her love for Isabel is really sincere, and she goes a long way for her. And like she does she, give her good advice. Good advice. Oh, no, 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 no. She wanted her to marry Casper, and that's not good advice. No, no, that's not good advice, but she didn't want her to marry that bastard, which Nobody was. Did. Nobody yeah, did. again, I, I really don't understand his appeal, either. Yeah, let's not get yeah. to Gilbert yet. <laughs> you really want to go to... <laughs> you really, you really want to get to get on Second his ass. Second time I try. <laughs> Keep trying. <laughs> so here we're still at Garden Court, and uh, Isabel discovers this estate, and everyone kind of falls in love with her, except Mrs. Touchett. Mrs. Touchett is not yeah. touched by anything. I, it was this uh, that moment that really confused me. I disliked Which? it. I dislike the heroine coming in and everybody absolutely adoring her for no very clear reason. Since they say it so much, you start looking for things. Yeah. I started looking, looking, and th my first theory was men are superficial. She's probably very, very beautiful, like strikingly beautiful. The kind of beautiful you cannot take your eyes off. And then they say that, no, she's not. And then she says herself. Herself, she uh, when she talks to um, Lord Warburton, and she says uh, that uh, I'm not pretty, and I'm not in the in my first youth, I'm so, something like that. So I thought she was yeah. 30. No, she's 21. 23. <laughs> no, 23. Oh, yes, that's an old hag. Old hag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she says that. Of course, she could be not seeing herself right and saying that she's not pretty. Possibly. I think she she must be. No, but they do say that uh, her sister was the pretty one. Yeah. And she was the... Well, how did they describe it? The tall, lanky one? Yeah, Something lanky, like that. Kind yeah. Of lanky. Yeah, so that didn't explain it. So I thought, okay, so these men are not that superficial. They're seeing something else that we still don't know about. And we had... Rumors about her ideas. From America, actually. Her aunt was talking about her as uh, my niece is writing... Her paternal aunt was talking about her as yeah, my niece as is writing a writing novel. She wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she reads philosophy. And she used to intimidate men in uh, Albany, where she's from. Maybe it's compared to the society that surrounds her that she seems so incredible. So intelligent. Didn't because they're so deprived. Because it's true. When you see uh, every other girl we meet even though we don't meet a lot, but they seem as if copies of each other. And I think what saved her is, remember, her father was a bohemian, and that really changes a person. The education she has and the adventures she has, she's had, that may have given her a sort of openness, a sort of curiosity, sort of acceptance maybe, or an ability to think other girls don't have at all. No, that I got. Even I if got you don't that see she was it, different. Yeah. I got that she was different. I didn't get her idea specifically. Because when we talk about ideas... Yeah, but that's the thing. She doesn't have anything specific. She's really no. forming. It's a really mess of but thoughts and ideas. But at the end of the book, did you get an idea of her? No, nothing. <laughs> exactly. Even yeah. at the end. I get it. At the beginning, she's 23. So maybe. Although she's not a, twin, a normal 23. You know, she's not a dumb 23. She's no, she's... really uh, above average 23. So she promising. should have... Exactly, you should have some ideas. Some should be false, of course, you can be wrong, but you can have ideas. But they, they're, they're always vague. When they talk about uh, Lord Warburton being an aristocrat and all of that, and they talk about uh, him being a radical, which, yeah, is, which is a strange position. You could have a great conversation about that. Like, of course, you're an American, you don't know anything about it. She did have one with uh, Mr. Touchett. About what? About, uh, about Lord Warburton's politics. Yeah. And how they were really surface level. Really? I don't remember this one. Oh, that one was a really good good conversation, but more on Mr. Touch's side, which I, I loved him. Oh, I think when she told him about the proposal. Yeah, the proposal. and On her side, I was always expecting something. Uh, something striking, of course, not something average. And I, didn't, I never got it. And in the end, as you said, her, she is superior, but it's a moral superiority. It was mm -hmm. never a philosophical one. She knows what's right. At her core, mm. she has those principles. Even at the betrayal at the end, we see how reluctant she is to betray Osmond, which if I were 
in oh, her shoes, damn. I would have shat on him a long time ago. Yeah. Like, literally. Yeah. Staying loyal till the end. The first thought uh, when she heard about the betrayal was yeah. poor Mrs. Madame Merrill. Didn't that enrage you a bit? Oh, I, it did. It really did. But there was a little bit of admiration in it. I get it. I just, for me, why would it be your first words? Yeah. <laughs> Take a few days. It's like with the Jane. You don't say overly good people in horrible situations. You feel it's a bit unnatural. Uh, she is exceptional, of course. She's, she's and I get it, actually. See, she has this emotional intelligence because mm-hmm. she got right away from the first... Her first words were poor Madame Merle because she got right away what was horrible in Madame Merle's situation. For mm-hmm. me, I had to read on for a few pages and calm down a bit to understand Madame Merle's perspective because of course she deserves pity but when you're the victim of her I mean mm, yeah, this shouldn't be the first maybe after a bit of simmering and anger and a bit of vengeance exactly maybe. stabby stabby there <laughs> and then you can say oh poor woman she's yeah. bleeding on my floor <laughs> <laughs> but yeah for the first thought and I uh, Actually, I really thought her a vile, vile woman for a few pages, as you said, mm. before realizing that she was a victim. Yeah, so this for Isabel. I mean, uh, it's really frustrating when you have the central character of a book and you still get this impression of vagueness all the time. We never know where she stands, really. She never gave a real reason for marrying Osmond. And we never saw any overwhelming love, passion. We never saw that. So you are forced to get your own theory about it. After the first meeting, he presented himself in such a way as a lover of everything beautiful and noble that even though he was poor, the facade he showed is that he didn't mind it, is that he was tranquil and content despite his material unfortunes. This is what why he was well-liked universally. He wasn't well-liked. Now I'm talking about the, in the Italian society. They talk about him as charming. We don't know one friend of his. We don't no, know one family me- member that cherishes him. He's sought after. Yeah, because he's a he's constantly posing. So he's posing as this man whose company is kind of who's kind of exclusive. So when Madame Merle takes uh, Isabel, yes, it's kind of I'll take him to the hilltops of Florence to his house, and it's kind of. But he's posing. He's he's putting a little mise en scène for her. This is what I mean. I don't think it's only for her. I think it's for everybody. And she yeah, gets for fooled. himself. Yes, and the snowball exterior, and she gets taken by that. And it's very superficial. We ju- directly jump over to the marriage, to the marriage, which it's is kind strange. Of skipped over, yeah. It's kind of skipped over. We don't really get different reasons, so yeah, we do. I think, but this is good. I like the fact that the courtship is skipped over, although they were hints. Maybe if you take the the voyage to Rome as part of the courtship, because um, yeah. he went with her. I it's... knew what Osmond was. This is my second reading, so I don't remember the first. Would you be able, so you can tell me, would you be able to see hints in his behavior before knowing the nightmare this marriage was going to be? Or would you find him charming? Did you find him charming beforehand? No, I didn't find him charming, but I did not think it would be that bad. No, not that bad, but what did you think was wrong with him? Oh, just the fact that his idol disgusted me. And the, the envy was clear from the first. Thank that he was envy. not... Yeah. Oh, there was Lord. this passage... Was he was t- where he was talking about the only thing he would have liked uh, to be is Pope. Yeah. He would have he liked to be the Pope, but since he can't, so he doesn't want anything else. <laughs> Nothing lesser for Osmond. And she took this as a very normal thing to say. Hmm. And he is an envious little shit. He's livid with envy all the time. The thing is, when Lord Warburton came also to Rome, and his behavior towards Lord Warburton, you would see that he's a snob, while she is not at all. She doesn't give a shit that this lord yeah. is pursuing her. But he was. And the uh, the jealous scene he treated her to. And the, uh, there was a bit of streak of viciousness to them. But is it from the start? Oh yeah, it, it was. The envy I saw. The talk about being Pope or being... Uh, mm. I don't know, he said like he had two options. Pope or something else. Both were so extraordinary that if anybody told me that, I would think they were mad. <laughs> she took it as a, a normal thing to say. Which is strange. Which is completely strange. You would say, what the hell are you talking about? What do you do? What do you do? You doodle. That's what you do. <laughs> you think you're a painter, but you doodle? 
and that's what yeah. all you do. And you have your collector, of course. That I mean, that's kind of having some money. I mean, you can always sell it. But in the end, you have a daughter, and you're not thinking about the future. Nothing. No, just... no, he's not, he's nothing. But I thought he was just an idle dilettante, as Ralph said. But I did not. I don't think they were hinted of the, of the extent of viciousness. Of no. viciousness. No, I, I, you really don't see it. I don't think you're supposed to. It, yeah. it was really horrifying surprise. But there is a, a conversation talking about all the empty conversations they were. I mean, I call them empty. Let's say, complicated, too vague. Um, too vague. Yeah. But there was one that was striking to me where I think Madame Merle kind of gave her a hint and Isabel again with stubbornness. Early on, Madame Merle was talking about uh, the sense of being oneself. And she said to Isabel, you should always take the shell with the man. And she was talking about herself saying, as for myself, I consider my dress and my accessories oh, yeah. and my furniture as being kind of an extension of me. Mm. And Isabel says, I think, the contrary completely. I think my dress has nothing to do with me. Mm, and not represent me. My dress does not represent me. It represents the, my dressmaker, maybe, not mm. me. And Madame Merle says, like, you don't exist kind of in a vacuum. I'm not quoting, she didn't <laughs> say that. It's what I got from it. We are represented by things belonging to us. And this is seems to me so obvious, kind of. Yeah. I mean, of course. She, so when she tells her, you cannot take the man without the shell, and she says specifically the man and his house and his belongings. And mm. his, this, is, this doesn't mean you're a materialistic or in a superficial person. On the contrary, that means you cannot separate these things. They are a reflection of you. And Isabel thinks, I might not express myself well all the time, but nothing else expresses me. I took it as a bit of a warning. Maybe she didn't mean it that way, but when afterwards, when you go back to read the passage, when she yeah. tells her that you, c you cannot separate the man from, kind of a, from the environment he makes for himself. So this mise-en-scene that Osman does for himself, yes. this carefully thought out... The cushions staged. are put stage. Mm. Everything is staged. And it's very important to him. Isabel thinks she's smarter than everyone. She thinks she can see the essence of him. There yeah. is no essence to that man. This, this is man the, yeah. is the definition of form over substance. He has yeah. no... I mean, the substance he has is, is dark matter. I, I don't know what the, <laughs> what the hell is that. Oh my god. But he's very careful about form. This is all the only thing that matters. And I think that way, kind of, Madame Merle told her, told her the, the, the right way to yeah. see things. Even though she, you might have taken it as, she's not independent, she's not a free thinker, she's not independent enough. She's European, Madame yeah. Merle. And Isabel would have been, yeah, the free thinker, the American. But in the end, she got taken worse than any European ever did. No, her no. worst nightmare was to have her ideas trampled. Oh, man. And he trampled them. And again, oh, talking about hints. Before getting married, he told her, you have too many notions. Oh, remember and he that? called them ridiculous. He called too many oh, ridiculous notions. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, no, from before, from before. There yeah. was something. There was, there was. And the thing is, even then, you cannot guess the amplitude of the horror. Because I've never read such a self-centered douche of a character... I'm sorry to bring it down the level, but really, when he was angry and shocked yeah. that she wouldn't let go of these ideas, that she would defy him, that she's not becoming an extension of him, sort of. Yeah. And he was actu actually honestly incensed. At the end of the book, we know she goes back to Rome, but I think she's going to escape him. I don't, I don't think, think she, she go, but she went back to him. This is what reassures me. This is why I liked her in the end. Yeah. I think she went back for Pansy. Because she remembered. Because they do mention, uh, b just right before the end, that uh. she promised her she would be back. It's yeah. almost at the end when you know why she's superior. Yeah, she she is good in that way. That she'll never let a just little girl... Just because she promised. Just because she promised. Just because Pansy gave a little bit of a hint that she realizes. She said, I'm afraid of, of him. A little bit. In that last meeting. Well, just a thing. She's 19, Pansy. She's 19, not 16. No, she's 19. I thought she was 16. She's fucking 19. First well, of all, it doesn't matter, actually. No, an abuser, an abuser. <laughs> of course, but... Yeah. I hate Pansy. <laughs> really? <laughs> I couldn't stand that little shit. Why? I don't know. First of all, her name is Pansy. Well, yeah, the, the, it doesn't really break great affection. No, couldn't stand it. <laughs> and I know Osman made her. Yeah. The way she was. But I hated her ways. Why? Oh, the... Why? Uh... Oh, Papa. What would Papa say? 
Does Papa agree? What will... Oh, do you want flowers, Madame Catherine? You're fucking 19. What the fuck are you she doing? She was 19 at the hour when I she know, went she out. Was, yeah. <laughs> I tried to... I tried to get it past you. That was really vicious of you. You know, that was the meeting where the sisters from the convent were, were there. And yeah. uh, during the meeting, there was Madame Marilyn Isabel also. And she was 15 then. He kind of... She was standing there. You know, with a child, like, imagine you have a five-year-old. Yeah. And you're sitting in an armchair. And a child passes by and you yeah. kind of take them yeah. between your legs kind of thing. Yeah. Because they're small. He did it and she was 15. That's filthy. It is filthy. I'm just saying. At that point, I was expecting, like, okay, pansy seems deranged, but <laughs> maybe there is a reason for it. <laughs> no, I really think there was there was something very wrong in that relationship. And she sounded as it terrified all the time. Like a defense mechanism, this over... No. Over submissiveness. Yeah, he made her know that oh, yeah. this is how he wanted her. Yeah. And he would take no other thing. And no he gets what he wants. He gets from, what he wants. Yeah. The thing is, she was, in, uh, he would, um, she was childish. The first time we meet her, she's 15. And she speaks as a six-year-old. She thinks as a six-year-old. Didn't well, you she's get out of the convent. But what six, else do you expect? No, 15. She was talking like a child. Do you child. remember the liaison dangereuse? No. Dangerous liaisons. Oh, there was oh, a 15-year-old yeah. there. She was one of the principal victims. Yeah, yeah, she was also like that. They make them out to be innocent and childish. This is the old way that Osmond Gilbert asshole values so much. No, no, A I woman, get... this is what she should be. So this is why he put her in the place he put her in. Of course. For that old way kind of education that he values, traditional. And this yeah. is what a woman should be. She would be... And he did say so. A daughter should be innocent and pure. You know, and without ideas. and Without ideas. He yeah. said it. He said it. And he said it before the marriage. That... The red flags, I would say. Oh, yeah. Big ass red flags. Yeah. But, uh, he told Isabel... That he valued the old-fashioned way. But when you see how he treats his own daughter, mm. how she is almost a slave to his capricious thinking, because he just got mm. it out of his ass, because he says that uh, he wants tradition. He comes from nowhere. He's a bum. He comes from nowhere. Mm. And he <laughs> wants to be thought of as an aristocrat. Which is very, very strange. He didn't even try to make up something for himself. What kind of pretension is no, that? No, nothing. I think he's complete, absolute, incapable imbecile. Who has yeah. very high pretensions. Yeah, there's nothing. And his own sister, another one of the hints, when your own f- sister doesn't vouch for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this I agree. She didn't say something specific, like my brother is a vicious cunt. She didn't say that. Mm-hmm. She said something like, I like you and I wouldn't mm-hmm. like to see you miserable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was Pansy in the room and the uh, Countess Gemini tried to... Uh, make Pansy go away because she thought, you know, I'm I'm Mm. just gonna come out and say it. And Isabel said, I don't want to hear anything Pansy can't hear. Why? You're about to marry the man. Let her speak. She's his his sister. She knows things. This was such a strange situation, such a strange decision. You know, I heard it in that lecture we watched. That Isabel is a gambler, like her father was. Her father. You know, we always go back to childhood. Oh yeah, it's so important. And I think every good trait that she has probably comes from the education, the exceptional education her father gave her. Mm. But he was a reckless man. And I don't know if you remember that um, when she kind of put things together and she understood how horrible... How badly she has been played. Yeah, there was this... Uh, con- not conversation, she's just sitting by the by the fireplace and she's it's late at night and she's alone and thinking how she got into this situation. Mm. She says something like, I think, the fortune she inherited... She kind of didn't think that she deserved it from the get-go. Mm. And she kind of thought of Osmond as a charity case. Oh. Because she says she says it. It was that or giving it to a hospital. Oh, my Lord. Do you remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. I did, and it did stri- strike me. So she married for char- kind of for charity. Really? Of all the things, you give it to Gilbert Osmond and not to her hospital? Yeah, give it to her hospital. What in God's green earth? And do you know, you must have seen it in that lecture, I thought that... Seventy pounds, uh, seventy thousand pounds. I didn't, I didn't think, think it was, it was that such big. a. No, it's several hundred million dollars. Yeah, seventy thousand pounds. I think she would be one of the richest women in Europe. In Europe, my lord. And all of this wasted on Gilbert Osmond. And she can't get it back. Yeah, this is what I thought. I don't know what's the uh, divorce situation at the time, or separation agreement. I think it's his. I'm. I'm really not sure if it. It would have been as. Uh, as harsh as, let's say, a century before. I think maybe he would have given her a pension, maybe. Oh, my lord, no. Uh, 
I'm, just, I'm not trying to enrage you. I think Gilbert would have given her maybe a pension of a few thousand pounds from her own millions. He would have left her to be miserable, being oh, Gilbert yeah. Osmond. Because why would he dare to challenge her? Because he loves money, that man. Oh, yeah. So at the That's end, the when only he, thing he loves. He and for, himself. Yeah, himself and his lifestyle and how he looks when it's she's receiving and he's uh, posing in front of the chimney. <laughs> I hated I him. cannot wait for the movie, how they're gonna put the poses. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I don't like about Isabel is her attitude towards money. She treats it as a burden. She doesn't value Which, it yeah. as if she were she was uh, living from air. Even at first we see that trait when she doesn't realize she insists to her aunt that she must pay her own expenses. And her aunt says to her son, in a bit of a ridiculous way, that she doesn't even know it's not enough. Like, there's no way it could pay for any of this. Yeah, she doesn't know yeah, that and she the thinks, cost of travel, yeah, she doesn't know. She doesn't even know how much she has. She thinks everyone is like her. So when Madame Merle is super nice to her all of a sudden, after the inheritance... Right after it... She doesn't see something strange in it. Mm. She doesn't put two and two together. I, th I would think that if you were in a situation like that, you would be such so much on your guard. Looking out for these kind of signs. People who are suddenly nicer so will appear after you become rich. Exactly. Yeah. And you would value the people who wanted you before. Exactly. She doesn't. She still treats them like shit. I mean, not like shit, but refusing without any hesitation. Casper Goodwood, yeah, go away. Go, come back in a year. He comes back. Come back in two years. It's disgusting. I mean, I know mm. he's a stalker and all, but... No, but he doesn't take no for an answer either, and I disliked him in his very forceful ways. Yeah, but the problem is her suitors, even with them, mm. we don't give in, uh, get enough traits. No, we like, don't. Like, Lord Warburton yeah. is presented in an ideal way. He's the ideal man, so Isabel is a fool if she refuses him. Exactly, it should be like that. But it's not. And, and she just goes. that Lord Warburton stays, uh, stays in, her, in her sphere until years later, would you have wished at that moment that she'd free herself from... Uh... But to Lord Wolverton couldn't have married her then. Oh, really? Oh, I no, think no, so. No. She was a ma she he wouldn't he couldn't marry a divorcee and he couldn't and I'm not even sure she could have divorced. But it would have gone with his uh, revolutionary ideas. I don't think he's a false revolutionary. No, I do think he's a false revolutionary, but he wouldn't have put at risk something like that. And no. at the end he marries an English aristocrat. Exactly. Though I like that. I like because that. Because in the end it's pragmatic and it's true. One, maybe one of the ugliest episodes in the book. Oh, the marriage episode. Is, is yeah, making him, trying to make him, get oh. him to marry Pansy. Uh, and Pansy, oh, there is a character that we completely forgot about. He's not very important, but uh, oh, Rosier. Yeah, well, he's a lovesick fool. Yeah, he's a, nah, you know, he goes well with Pansy. Pansy yeah. isn't... They would be like fools together and innocent and and cute and that's all. No, he really, really loved her because, yeah. he, you know, he didn't... He had enough. He wasn't poor. He had enough. Of course. And he sold really his collection. That was wasn't yeah, it? yeah. His, his lace. <laughs> his lace. He sold yeah, his, his lace. Oh, back to my theory. Remember when I warned you about... Not you. <laughs> my fake... Uh, my imagined audience. <laughs> warned you about men who have long lashes. And oh. collect china. And what did Maxim do winter? He loved flowers. And this one, what does Osmond do? He loves Japanese lacquer. Oh, and yeah. when Ralph, uh, no, when Lord Warburton uh, compliments Isabel on her house, she says Osmond knows a lot about upholstery. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's very. Be warned: a man with long lashes who collects china mm -hmm. and knows about upholstery. Preach, sister. Run, <laughs> run, run like the devil. I said my piece. You can go now. This is, it. This is the advice the pie eater give. Just don't. Don't. Don't follow it. But seriously, imagine all of these traits in one person. Upholstery. Of all yeah. the things to know a lot about. Come on. She knows a lot about. She didn't, tell, she didn't say that with shame. I mean, if you had like a brilliant suitor from the past, oh, comes yeah. back and sees you in a horrible marriage, and you say kind of with pride, oh, my husband knows a lot about upholstery. I wouldn't say it. No, of course, there's nothing to say. I would say Maybe. I chose everything. <laughs> it's me. No, it's not... Um, yeah, he, he's said to have exquisite taste. I think he does. That's all he's... That's the only thing he does. Only have. quality. Yeah, 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 that's all. His exquisite taste. And instead of doing something with it... He can't afford he his taste. He can't afford his taste. But I mean, he could have fucking worked with it. Come on, you're an American. Think. No, he doesn't like, work. No, he doesn't do oh, his... Uh, his I imagine him with delicate... Hands, like Do you imagine him always in a, a robe? Oh, a silken robe, right? Lounging all, lounging, all the time. Always yeah. lounging. 
uh, posing, sort of, not in a comfortable lounge. No, no, no. Yeah. He would look good. Oh, I of mean, course. Look good. Make oh, it no, of course not. Pointy-faced cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Pointy-faced? Was he? Yeah, I think he was. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, when, uh, since we started to go to the insults, I think we should yeah. Uh, yeah. we should wrap this up. <laughs> but really, it gave me great satisfaction to be able to say my piece about Gilbert Osmond. I oh, was, my lord. I was worked up. Oh, the whole book. I was, and I didn't understand why didn't someone just whoop his ass? One whooping. Who would? I don't know anyone. Ralph could whoop his ass. Ralph? Ralph would die on the spot. <laughs> no, I mean, he's such a weakling. The other one, even a dying man, should yeah. be able. I had something to say, and, I, and now I forget it. Just a second. Uh, was it still about the marriage? Because there is something about the marriage. Yeah, say it. The fact that the marriage situation was even more horrifying because Gilbert Osmond was hoping that Lord Warburton's feeling for his wife would make him marry his daughter. You see how low this man is. Oh, so absolutely... Uh, it's just a disgusting way for He was him. pimping yeah. her out. He was pimping her out in the hope that his daughter... And he told her uh, so. And not thinking for a second about his daughter's happiness. Oh, no. Marrying a man who's in love with her stepmother. Plus, I don't think Pansy... Yeah, maybe. She could have... Yeah, she could have... She could have held that station of being uh, uh, a lady, kind of. Yeah. I mean, she had the education for it. But for Lord Warburton, who obviously needs some kind of stimulation, <laughs> not to sound dirty, she wouldn't have given him that. She's no, too, she was too simple. Too plain. Mm. I had something now I can't remember. Oh, yes. Um, because we talked about that before, I think, in Pride and Prejudice or something. Talking about the codes, the way of... Appearing indicates some things, and if you're not familiar with it, you just you wouldn't know what you're. I think I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, her first impression of something wrong between yeah. Madame Merle and her husband is when she came back from uh, I don't know where, uh, like she came back early to the house and she found them in the drawing room, mm. and Osmond was sitting and Madame Merle was standing, and Isabel's first reaction was they're intimate. Yeah, this is not. This is not normal. There is something wrong. Because it's true. It's amazing, the subtlety of it. This is a situation it's where two people were with a conventional relation. Wouldn't would have never been. be. No, he would always have been standing and the lady would be sitting. I love this because yeah. uh, because if she didn't say that that's what was wrong... I wouldn't have. I mean, I'm like, what did she... Did you come home early and find them banging? I mean, what was going on? Yeah, I mean, that's what we need nowadays. Yeah, you need the banging. I oh, mean, yeah, otherwise, what's... The, what's <laughs> they've been friends for what's years. What's the problem? <laughs> of course she stands, if she wants to stand. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. He's sitting. How dare he be sitting? Yeah, in front of a lady. I think what I liked about this book is every character is so complex. And there is so much to say about them. Even if you think... Take someone kind of inconsequential, although she made Isabel's life... She made her start in it, yeah. is Mrs. Touchett. And uh, she's she's also a strange character. Mm-hmm. Madame Merle, another strange character. You don't... So many pieces to them. Yeah, there are depth into them, as to real human being and complications and contradictions. Which contradictions. Is, Mrs. Yeah. Touchett, I liked her. I liked her ways mm. until she abandoned her dying son. I didn't get it. I didn't think she was that selfish. Yeah, that was strange. I think that's... She's kind of a mechanical... She's kind of a robot uh, because mm. she... What did Isabel say? She set a date to go to oh, America. And that date it. come, uh, and her son could be dying, already dead. Uh, she, she could have had... Mm. I don't know what would happen. She'll go. She'll go. Because the, the date is set. Yeah. yeah, she's like that. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. I think we talked about everyone and everything, our uh, mm. impressions. So, but the end, you say that uh, she came back for Pansy. I really think she came back for Pansy. She said things right, because... What what are the alternatives? Go back with the well. She still have notions about being a good wife. I don't think so. I don't think anymore. I think she just have the, her moral compass right now, and she just wants to do what is right. And what is right is not to leave Pansy to come back because she did promise. But maybe I'm not sure if I agree with you. I think that was said the second she did take the decision to go to England. Yeah, because strangely she is a free spirit, but strangely she's very conventional. Also, she takes although yeah. no, I think it's a, a side of her loyalty. She she takes her words seriously. Mm-mm. So for her being married, meaning she gave her word. She did take her vows seriously. And vows, yeah. there is in the vows, obey. There is. And there is. It's disgusting, but there is. So since she said it, that yeah. she would, 
And then she and then she marries a fiend. And <laughs> how would you obey him? And she did try for years. And she tried. Even trampling her own self. And I think, yeah, this is the tragedy of this book. Is the whole, let's say, the two-thirds. They show you... No, the first half, let's say. They show you this beautiful animal who has, it has this thirst for life. And the second half is seeing the animal caged. Oh, yeah. And caged by a fiend. It's not like caged by someone who's superior. No, caged by an inferior. No, by an absolute imbecile. By an imbecile. He's a snob. She's not. Mm. He values money. She doesn't care. She's better on every every plane. She's better than him. Superior to him. And And he caged her. And that's the one who tramples your idea. And that's the one who tells you that you shouldn't have any. Yeah, they're stupid. But, again, you know, it's always... I don't see how you wouldn't uh, inquire about someone before... I mean, just see. Just see if his own sister (laughs) hates him. He always comes back to the sister. Because, as it happens, she tried... I mean, she's uh, kind of a a weird character, that countess. Yes, is she's presented as a liar and an inconsequent, like a flighty person. And she is. And she is. Yeah, yeah, but she tried to warn her, and that's what mm. makes you... Kind of, yeah, there is a side of good that is good to the sister. Because she oh, tried. absolutely, she did. And in the end, she's the one who told her the truth. Mm. Even if it was late, but she did. So, uh, great book. I think I kind of agree with you with the end. I mean... It's kind of wishful thinking. I wish she didn't go back to him. But I yeah. think there is a part of her There is still loyal to the notion of marriage. Maybe something that will be in the uh, Mr. Touchett and Mrs. Touchett's way of life. Separate properties and... Yeah, but yeah. Mr. Touchett was a decent man, so his wife was rich also. Yeah. Uh, Isabel with that fiend, I don't know. I don't know if she is. I don't think she doesn't have control. I think it depends on him, what he bestows on her. Oh my lord. I think he owns the money and the property and whatever yeah. came to her. Yeah, I think he does. This is such an enraging thought. Enraging. Really enraging. I'm getting too angry. Let's just... (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, lovely book. Lovely. And, and, you know, we didn't do it justice, really, because uh, we we just... It's a question of time. Like, we could talk about it for three hours, but we would put you to sleep and enrage you, because we would go Uh on and on about... about Osmond. Osmond. <laughs> so, um, see you next episode for the adaptation. Oh man, we're gonna have to see him. I was excited about everybody else. And you know what? As I remember the movie, there's a scene that isn't in the book. That is horrible. Oh, sure. Good. So, Something to look forward to. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.